13, verse 31. The same day there came certain of the Pharisees, saying unto him, Get thee out and depart hence, for Herod will kill thee. And he said unto them, Go ye and tell that fox, Behold, I cast out devils, and I do cures today and tomorrow, and the third day I shall be perfected. Nevertheless, I must walk today and tomorrow and the day following, for it cannot be that a prophet perish outside of Jerusalem. God bless you today. You may be seated. Luke chapter 13, he deals with um, what it is that is in his time construct. And he's dealing with the amount of time that he has in himself and in relation to those that are around him. And so there's Pharisees who understand the threat. They understand the dangers. They, they understand what it is that is terrorizing both their culture and their religion. And the, when you see Herod Antipas at work in the Gospels, you see the vitriol, you see the hatred, you see the malice, you see the intent of evil. And there came in that certain time Pharisees saying to Jesus, this Jesus was in a period of his ministry in which the Pharisees were on his side per se. And the Pharisees knew the threat that was uh, prevalent in that moment. And they came to Jesus and they said, you better beat it. Because if you don't get out of here, Herod has already stated, I will kill you. You're not talking about a minor uh, breach. You're talking about a violation of human rights and ethics. You're talking about uh, at, at threat of life and limb here. And Herod says, I'll kill that dude. And the Pharisees even, who cowers historically in absolute fear and abject submission to this tyrant. And they come to Jesus and they said, you better get out of here and you better depart for Herod will kill you. And Jesus said, you can go tell that fox. Behold, I cast out devils. And I do cures today and tomorrow. And the third day I reach my goal. I want to preach to you this morning on a divine timeline. Jesus said, today I'm busy. He may kill me, but not today, Satan. <laughs> and if you read about, and I do recommend that you read about Perea. I don't know a lot about it, but I, I looked it up on YouTube, and now I know even less. <laughs> now I'm full of all kinds of useless information that's not validated. Man, so I suggest you read. But if you can get a sense of the climate of 
Perea, you get a sense that in Galilee there is, there is the kind of cowering down of the sword's going to fall at any moment. And Jesus comes along and doesn't say that it's not going to fall. He just said, not today it's not. Because today I cast out devils. And tomorrow I'm going to do stuff. And the third day I'll reach my goal. Notice he said that the third day I shall be perfected. Notice he didn't say Herod will get his way. He said I shall be perfected. Notice he didn't say that he will be able to uh, end me and my demise will be at the hands of Herod. He just said I shall be perfected. And if you read this in uh, the NASB, it says that the third day I shall reach my goal. So today I really don't want to talk about Herod. And I'm really replete with uh, talking about all the stuff going on in our world. I want to talk about today and tomorrow. Man, my goal is the goal that God has for Truth Church. And no man can pluck you out of his hand. Today, we'll cast out devils. And tomorrow, we'll do cures. Because that's what we do. And that's what we're able to do. And that's how come God has us as a vibrant and lively church. God doesn't need us to do what the world can do. He needs us to do what they cannot do. And that is why we will partner with anyone, anywhere, to do anything we can but we're not going to come off of our vision of doing what God has called us to do, which is we do cures and we cast out what has possessed our society. Now, Jesus could have done a lot of object lessons, powerful object lessons, mind-blowing object lessons. He could have said, for instance, watch this, and made the squirrel come and get up in his hand and showed some brilliant object lesson but he didn't play tricks with power over nature he said i'm gonna stay in my lane and i'm gonna do what i'm called to do because today i cast out devils tomorrow i'm gonna do a bunch of good cures and then the third day i'll reach my goal but you are not going to push me off of my goal that's the resolution the church has to have in their vision that we know what god has called us to do what is the mission of this church? The mission of this church is best defined in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17. To wit, God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself. God was in Christ getting them out of the fallen sinful nature and translating them into the kingdom of his dear son, which puts them in the family of regeneration. When I'm baptized in Jesus' name, I'm no longer Douglas Walker. I'm buried in the name of Jesus Christ. Brother Toby just got baptized in Jesus' name, and now he is a son of God by the birth of water. I'm telling you right now, we are not here to trifle with, with behavioral modifications. Uh, we've got the greatest message the world has ever heard, and that's behold, all things are made new. 
so Jesus says, listen, I, I want to explain this to you. I'm going to stay in my lane. And I'm coming at this from a vision casting perspective, from outreach and evangelism perspective. Jesus answers them in Luke chapter 12 and verse 13, one of the many of the company. So these are people, this is a guy that he knows. They're, he's not a stranger. He's not some random nut that just comes out of the woodwork and says, oh, let me see if I can get you to do a family trick for me. This guy is one of the companies, one of the group of followers. And he says unto him, Master, can you talk to my brother that he divides the inheritance with me? And this guy was trapped in a societal woe and possibly a social injustice, if you want to actually look at it that way. The firstborn got a lot and the secondborn got almost next to nothing and life wasn't fair and uh, it didn't work out very well for these guys. And this guy has a valid point. He has a valid uh, point that he's bringing up and it's a legal point and he says, if you could tell this guy, my brother, to divide the inheritance equally with me, it would be extremely helpful. And Jesus said unto, man, unto him, Man, who made me a judge or an arbiter, divider over you? And he said unto them, Take heed, beware of covetousness, for a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of things which he possesseth. Now, we're not in any kind of doubt of whether or not Jesus had wise things to say here. We have no we're not even any way suspicious that Jesus was drawing a blank. We believe that Jesus could have adjudicated this matter and done so with a great deal of wisdom and a great deal of accuracy in how familial bonds and familial ties should work with each other. And it would have been brilliant insight into how families and brotherhood should coexist. But Jesus says, man, who made me a judge over you? Am I the arbiter? Am I the, the guy that's supposed to adjudicate this? What Jesus is saying is that's not what I'm here to do. Now, what's baffling to me is John 5, tells us that Jesus actually is the judge. And the Bible actually does tell us that the disciples believed he was the judge. And that when and after his death, burial, and resurrection in the book of Acts, multiple times they preached him as the judge of all flesh. In the book of Revelations, he judges all flesh who ever lived in eternity. So he's very much the judge. And he's not just the judge that could kind of work it out. He is the supreme judge. He is the one that controls and retains appellate power over all other judges, over all other jurisprudence, over all other legal situations, over all judicial procedures and judges that participate in said judicial procedures. Jesus is the judge, but yet he stopped right here and said, not my lane. I'm not that kind of judge. Well, could you be this kind of judge? Well, sure, I can be that judge, but why be that judge when I'm the judge of all flesh? And my job is to make sure that you don't burn in eternal hell. That's what I judge, he's saying. So Jesus understood his mission. 
Jesus understood his, his timeline. Jesus understood his lane, if you could use that term. And Jesus said, that's not what I'm here to do, although I could do it. And he defers that judgment to be handled in a civil court by a civil authority. And so Jesus is teaching us here that two things, don't get out of your missional lane and don't get bothered by the winds and the climates because God has a purpose for you. Don't be distracted from that purpose. And God has a timeline. Don't be distracted by the world. And sometimes we can get so wrapped up, uh, man, that we forget uh, what it is that God has called us to be and what it is God has called us to do. So let me use this as an illustration today. One instance is you could, you could, a church could get into all kinds of things. It's, it's myriad. I subscribe to, uh, I think, six, four, five, six periodicals uh, a month that just deal in outreach endeavors which outreach is completely different than evangelism. You understand that. Evangelism is from the Greek word that means proclaiming the gospel. It is not um, volunteering at the soup kitchen and, and just, that's outreach. Uh, the go, uh, evangelizing is telling people, articulating the good news and the gospel. It is preaching, it is teaching, it is engaging in apologetics. It is engaging in prison ministry. It is teaching them the word of God. Outreach is included in the word of God and in the Bible, but outreach uses every kind of attention-grabbing thing that it can do to get the world's attention and bridge the gap between what the world is doing and can do and what we only can do, which is the preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So if you completely abdicate your responsibility to preach the gospel, you could be very involved in outreach and never get to evangelism. And if you are in just the evangelistic uh, approach of just preaching or evangelizing or evangelizio, you could be proclaiming the gospel all the time, but then there would be people in all kinds of pockets of need that you would never reach outside to draw them in to hear the message, right? So there's a bit of a distinction. So Jesus fed 5,000 people and he never asked them anything about where they were going to go to church. That was outreach. That was how Jesus was reaching out and gathering up 5,000 uh, men and fed them, not counting women and children. And the next day he never said, hmm, fed all that free bread and you never even came back to church. Well, that was a waste. He, you know, if people think that way, well, my God, we did this program and nothing even happened. It's called outreach, folks. It's reaching outside of our faith community to raise the awareness that there's people who are genuine, people who love the truth, people who love people and want to see you blessed. And we want to use everything we can to build that connection, right? So Second Chance Ranch is another illustration. That's an outreach, that's doing some publicity stunt with an animal to get people to connect to what it is that I have to say. But I'm always reminding myself when I'm doing that outreach, Douglas, don't forget to evangelize them. Don't forget, you're not here to make them cowboy Christians. You're not here to make everybody Christian cowboys and cowboys for Christ. You're here to use whatever stunt you can to build the bridge and the gap so that you can get the real message out. 
Okay, that's the difference between outreach and evangelism. And so as we're reaching out and as we're doing all this stuff, why are we volunteering at a soup kitchen? Why are we volunteering to help somebody? Or why are we talking about different things that we can do? And, and why are we talking about... I, I rode downtown last uh, yesterday, and Brother uh, Jason and Sister Jesse had the youth uh, group out there, and they're doing outreach. And I listened to what Sister Jesse was saying. She'd walk up and say, Hey, we just you know want you to know that we're a, a, a church group, and we're doing community outreach we're just wanting people to know that we're here to serve our community would you like some of this and so they're giving them a refreshment or whatever it is and it was so refreshing to see someone do outreach with no strings attached now that doesn't mean that we don't have that we don't have a message to preach what that means uh, is that we have the ability to use those things to get our message heard and so the, the methods change, the message never deviates. The method, it doesn't matter if you're on a skateboard or you're on a horse or you're at a, a, a business seminar. It doesn't matter if you're at a homeless shelter. It doesn't matter if you're, if you're working with uh, uh, battered and abused women. It doesn't matter what it is. You've got to get involved in what it is that God is doing to attract attention uh, so that his message can get heard. 5,000 people got free bread, and that's illegal. I'll preach on that one day. It's called criminal evangelism. The Senate of Rome passed a law that said you are not allowed to give away free bread unless you're part of the triumvirate, unless you are part of a, the, the Roman Senate, or you are a Caesar. You can't do that. Why? Because if you read Edward Gibbon's book, The Fall and Decline of Rome, that's how they controlled the masses. Circuses, free bread. You couldn't give away free bread because that was the underpinning of getting a following that could foment into a revolution, right? So it was illegal. Jesus is standing there with this bread in his hand. And he's asking himself the question is, am I here to be a behaved citizen or am I here to be the Messiah? Because the Messiah said that the prophecies of the Messiah was that when he comes, he shall be able to give bread and you'll be able to get it without money. And Jesus is standing there and said, yeah, I'm going to be God Almighty today. And he starts doing it because he's in his own timeline. Now, a lot of people could be sitting here saying, well, what came of that? 5,000 men, not counting women and children. Well, Jesus didn't, Jesus didn't worry about that because that was your furthest outreach that was your furthest circle of metric or measurement so you have the fed which is 5,000 so if you're in truth church and you wonder you know what's going on here and and, and who's in and who's out well they're all in because they're coming and being fed by the word of God that's being preached here week in and week out they're being ministered to by the youth development team and college and career uh, sessions. They're being ministered to by Next Level. And they're being ministered to by, uh, by the music team and the, and the music ministry. And so they're being fed. But as they get healed, Jesus is going to require more out of them. See, he heals ten lepers and one returns. Uh, and he says, wait a minute, the, the, the requirements just went up. The expectation just went up. Where are the other nine? Because now, if you're healed, you're responsible to come in and worship God. You're responsible to acknowledge uh, these things. And you're responsible to let God lead you, instruct you. And so as you come into Truth Church, you have to understand that God is going to ask 
more from you as he gives more, right? The scripture says, to whom much is given, much is required. And so Jesus is standing there in his own timeline and he says, we're going to do everything we can to reach everyone we can, but we don't want them to stay out there at the fed level. We want them to be healed because we do cures. And as a church, when we do cures, what does that mean? That means that we restore lives. We reconcile people. We bring broken lives and destroyed confidences and people who have no faith in ministry and no faith in the church and they've been damaged by religion and been damaged by the world and it's all just some weird parody to them. But when they walk in here, there's something that starts healing them from the inside out and they say, this is different. This isn't like every other church. This isn't a mockery. This isn't a parody. This isn't cheap. This really wants to see me healed and redeemed. Jesus said, today i got to do some work. Today I cast out devils. What does that mean? That means that the work of Jesus Christ is to exercise out of one's life the spirits of darkness that torment them. Jesus began to speak and, and he began to preach of these things and say, don't worry about when my life is gone and don't worry about Herod and don't worry about that because worry about our mission and our mission is there are people that are possessed of spirits and they're waiting for you to lay hands on them and devils be cast out. Mark 16 didn't say the ministry will do it. Marks, although I do believe that the laying on of hands and the anointing with oil is a position and, and a thing reserved in Scripture for the elders of the church, according to James the Apostle. But I also believe that Mark 16 says, all believers shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. The Bible says that all the believers shall cast out devils. All the believers shall speak with new tongues. I'm telling you right now in the Holy Ghost, you have a ministry. You've got to focus on the mission. Hey, partner up with the people that are feeding the thousands and partner up with people that are working on autism awareness and partner up with people that are working on, on, on child abuse and sex trafficking. Anything that they're doing to raise awareness, uh, get partnered with that. Do what you can to get connected to a myriad of needs. Uh, but remember, you're not there to do what they can do. You're there to do something different. Today I cast out devils. Tomorrow we do cures, uh, and on the third day we'll reach our goal. What is this that he's preaching today? Is that he is completely transcending the horizontal level and saying we don't operate like that. We operate on, a, on an ability to walk in the Holy Ghost uh, and a vertical connection with God himself. Uh, we can pray and mountains can be cast into the sea. We can baptize them in Jesus' name. We can do these things. Why? Because the Holy Ghost is in us. And Jesus says in John chapter 10, verse 17, 18, no man can take my life. He's not, they're not killing me. I lay down my life. 
Let me tell you something. When you're in the timeline of God, you've got to stay compartmentalized where you belong. Uh, and you've got to walk in the mission. And you've got to live in the power of what it is. And I think God is loosing this church uh, to do awesome things in God. Why do you use that word? That word's overused. Yeah, but I believe God is in this place, and I believe God is in you, and that's going to create an awesome ministry that's going to have effectiveness while the world's hands are tied, and they're ringing, and they're saying, what are we doing? Oh, no, I'm telling you, the church steps on the scene and says, today we cast out devils, tomorrow we do cures, and on the third day I'll reach my goal. Where is the intercessor? Where is the one that can travail? Where's the one that knows what God wants them to do? And so ministry has to be loosed in this place. And the power of the Holy Ghost has to be loosed inside of you. And you have to transcend the bonds that bind and try to make everything a, a third, fourth dimension concept of how we do this. Jesus said, I'll feed you, but I can do more than feed your body. I can feed your soul, and I have bread that if you'll taste it, you'll live for eternity. Jesus sitting on the well. Jesus could have, you know, and I love to be involved in the I Thirst organization, and I love to do the digging clean water in the Philippines and Africa. That's just like a thing. I don't know what it is. It's just, I like doing it. And I like going over there and seeing tractors and being involved in all the equipment and running it down there and building a new well and then building a church around the well and, and telling them give free clean water to the whole community. And that way the whole community's coming there. But I tell them that's outreach. Don't forget that when your whole community comes here to get this water, start preaching the gospel to them. Let them know that I have water, that if you'll taste of this, you'll never thirst again. Don't forget to be who you are. Don't forget that you're in a timeline that's not bound by this world, not bound by this city, not bound by finances, not bound by the limitations. You are connected to a ministry. I don't care what it is that you feel to do. Explore those options as an outreach goal. But remember, your job is to articulate that God can walk in this room right now and do miracles. I won't be much longer today. Amen, I'm coming to a close. But we have things right now that are happening in this church that are going to change the very essence of what this church is. Amen, we have, we have a few things right now. We have men in this church, and women included, that are praying and fasting and searching out how to be involved in suicide prevention ministry. And I'm going to tell you something. I, I not only applaud that i support that and believe in that because people listen they, there's a lot of programs they can get to there's a lot of programs that they can be involved in but it takes a christian it takes someone full of the spirit to be able to say wait a minute i know the real problem and the real problem is that you have no hope inside uh, and that you fear living another day the way you are. But God can completely reconcile you to a joy, a hope, a life, uh, a peace of mind. <laughs> Counseling cannot do that. Therapy cannot do that. It takes God to intervene. It takes the Holy Ghost to work. It takes the spirit uh, of regeneration. 
drug and alcohol addiction counseling and, and drug and alcohol recovery programs. All of that is necessary as an outreach. But don't forget to walk across the outreach platform and say, I know a God who could so fill you right now that you'll never want that urge again. And you will never desire that as long as you live. Because greater is he that is in you than he that is in this that's called evangelism. That's called God's timeline. That's called today and tomorrow. And the third day, God will sort it out. Brother Eli Revis, I believe this week's been in meetings and with, with an organization that, that facilitates prison ministry. And he wonders... Is this something you're for? Yes. How do I say yes loud enough? How do I, how do I say yes passionate enough? Brother Eli, listen to me. When you step out on faith and begin to explore what only a Holy Ghost-filled saint of God and minister can be, that's when the heavens line up and say, what does it matter to us what the world does and what they say when we're living in the day of the Lord? Today is the day of salvation. Not tomorrow. Not the next day. Today is the day of salvation. Today, brother, today we will cast out devils. And tomorrow we will do cures. And on the third day, I'll reach my goal. But my goal can't be derailed by anyone except this guy right here. Right here. You know who can destroy Brother Eli's ministry? Stand up, sir. There's the only man on planet Earth. That is the only human right there that can stop that man from living to his full potential. You gotta step into the realm of the Holy Ghost. You gotta say, all right, God, anoint me right now so that when I walk out of this room, no man, no spirit, no, no anything, no financial limitations, no, no physical limitations. I know a man in a church, he has a gift of healing. It's not resident in him, just like no gift is resident in us except the gift of the Holy Ghost. It comes and goes sometimes. But he says, God has given me the gift of healing. I pray for people, and they're healed. You know what the stunning part of that is? The man's in a wheelchair. He said, and the Lord told me, when I prayed for my healing, he said, I'm going to bind you to that chair so that you use your crippledness as an outreach so that when you pray, people are healed because you can have conversations other people can't. That's baffling to me. But that's, that's my point. Nobody can stop that man except that man. He could get bitter. He could sit in that chair and say, well, today I'm bound in this, and today this is my struggle. I've preached my finest messages uh, and the most powerful on healing when my body was racked with pain and sickness. Uh, You've got to rise above who you are. You've got to rise above your own limitations. Uh, You've got to rise above the Pharisees. 
You have to rise above Herod. You have to rise above it all and say, today I do the works of him that sent me. Today I live in the power of the present and resident spirit of God in me. I'm telling you, the Holy Ghost is calling you right now. The Holy Ghost is reaching out for you. Stand with me this morning. Why does God bring you to this church? So that you can just do your thing? No, so that God can do His thing through you. It's you that He's preaching to. I don't care what you do. I don't care what it is. Go work out your ministry. Go do it. Go explore the options of outreach. But don't forget, you are connected uniquely to something bigger than a cool motto and something cooler Man, than just a, 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 a real neat ploy. You're connected to the power of the world to come. Today, this is what God can do. Tomorrow, God is going to send this church. Man, many of you are going to be at a funeral tomorrow. Man, many of you are going to be involved with some broken people and lives that need to be changed and, and hearts that need to be comforted. Don't set amongst the people as just more people. Amen. But be used in the gifts of the Spirit. Be sensitive to the Holy Ghost. What are you being sensitive to? Amen. I'm talking to every young person. I'm talking to every father. I'm talking to visitors. I'm talking to preachers. I'm talking to ministers. I'm talking to people in this room that are saying, what do we do? And I say to you, do anything you can to do what only you can do. Join anywhere you can to do what only you can do. I'm calling you today. I'm asking you to make a commitment right now. I'm asking you to pray in the Spirit of the Lord. As they sing right now, I'm asking you to ask God, what can I do today? And what can I do tomorrow? The Holy Ghost is in this room. He's calling you. Man, I wish that this was the service a home missionary was born. I wish this was the service that a missionary was calling you. I'm asking you, what can only you do? Who are you? What can God use you to do? Come on, the Spirit's pulling. Come on, He's asking you. Holy Ghost is asking will you work today and tomorrow for me we'll reach our goal if you'll work today and tomorrow Jesus
in our lives, God, to be in your kingdom. Let us look for opportunities of ministry. Let us preach, repent, and be baptized. Every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Who's going to preach that to them if we don't? Who's going to invite them? Who's going to build the bridges? Oh, hallelujah. Every, every situation, every experience, Jesus, 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 come on, can you say yes to him? Can you throw away your own day, your own ambition, your own life? Jesus, today you rule the day. Tomorrow is yours. Touch him today, God. Use him tomorrow, God. Hallelujah, hallelujah.
This is your time. This is the day of the Lord hath made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Come on, the Lord's asking you to give this day to Him. Give this portion of your life to Him. Maybe you've invited other people to church. Maybe you've tried to do ministry. But today the power of the gospel is going to come into your ministry. And you're going to preach to them what Peter preached. Repent and be baptized, every one of you. In the name of Jesus Christ. For the remission of your sins and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And the Holy Ghost is going to be poured out. God can use you to do that. God can use and expand your ministry to where it's effectual. To where it works. To where it has delivering power. But you've got to give up this period of your life to God. Take it, Jesus. I'm yours. I know, I know that God has brought all of us to this church for a reason. There's a dear friend I have in this place tonight, today rather, that him and I have discussed, and I think if I'm not mistaken, it was in Next Level. We got into a discussion about how he has done ministry before. And it has led him to intense frustrations. And I understand my friend's frustrations because I've experienced it. The disciples experienced They said, Jesus, why, why can't we do this stuff? That We're trying to do ministry and, and, and it's fallen short. And Jesus told them there's another level to this. There's a next level to this. These kind cometh not out but by much prayer and fasting, he said. And then he told his own disciples, What do you mean? We're following you around. We give up business. We're traipsing everywhere. When you're converted, you'll, you'll, you'll have faith to do this. And a lot of times people come to church and they're, they feel like when I'm preaching, I'm saying, Prior to you coming to Truth Church, you didn't have... No, that's not what I believe. I believe that you have God leading and guiding you. And I feel like if you wanted just more of nominal church, you would be in a nominal church. But there's something you've done and said to God alone. There's some ministry that you've tried to reach for. 
And, it's, and you wasn't able to, to have that and, and something felt like it was disconnected. That's why the Spirit led you to hear. So that He could show you that there is unlimited power for you and your ministry. And, and I'm just telling you, this is your season. This is your hour. This, don't miss this opportunity of when and why God brought you to Truth Church. If you've never been baptized in Jesus' name, like you saw Brother Toby get baptized today, I'd get baptized today and tell God, God, I'm ready for the next thing you're going to do in my life. I'm ready. I'm ready for whatever it is because I don't want to live today and tomorrow with my hands tied. If this is my today... And this is the day I'm supposed to be working with God and we're supposed to be getting rid of evil. And tomorrow he's going to use all of you to do cures. I don't want to do that limited. So whatever the gospel is saying to me, and they said, what do we need to do? And he said, repent of your sins. Be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Jesus himself was baptized. Why? To show an example that you got to be willing to go into the next realm of the Spirit. Amen. Maybe you've done ministry many times. Maybe you are a minister. Maybe you came to Truth Church and you, you're a preacher and you've ministered in many churches, but God has led you here so that he could endow you with a spiritual gift. That when you go out and do ministry again, it's different. And you'll come back and say, my Lord, even the devils were subject to me. And Jesus will say, that's nothing. That just comes with the package. Amen. I believe that for you today. Let's lift our hands together and ask the Lord, Lord, whatever it is that you're trying to do in us today, let us allow that to happen. Let us hunger and thirst after your righteousness. If you have more for me today, God, please get it out of my head that I'm a pastor and I'm a preacher and give me more of you, God. If, if you have more for me, I want it, God. I want to walk where you want me to walk. I want you to take me where you want to take me so you can use me to do what you want me to do. God bless you today. If you are a first-time guest or you're not a first-time guest and you just brought a first-time guest, if you, as soon as you walk out of this building, out of this room, there is a seating area right there in the foyer. If you will um, meet there, there's several hundred people that's going to go get a coffee right now. And we would like to treat our guests with the utmost respect. And if you're our guest and you're first-time visitor or you brought a first-time visitor, please join us in that reception area, and we're going to take your drink order and make sure you beat everybody in line. And then I'm going to get to meet you and know your name and talk to you. God bless you. Thank you for coming. Amen. Enjoy this blizzardy winter day.